Hey guys, welcome to the ADHD experience where today we're going to talk about living life with ADHD and how we cope. Yay. I'm Brian, your host. I've got Daniel Osman and George Bingham, Bingham with me today. That was awesome. I remembered that was short notice. Did you see the minor glitch? <laughs> yeah, this is where we're probably going to talk about this on every podcast. The last time we were talking and filming, we talked about that alpha brain thing that Joe Rogan always um, boosts on his. No, I don't. But I, I was, that's kind of what brought it up is he talks about always using that when he records a show or does a UFC thing. I've been going like, to get it for a long time. Yeah. So a, there's other products like that. I'm not just toting his, but I just, we all love Joe. So, you know, hopefully he's just steering us right. Not just trying to make a buck. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not like we need something to help us focus. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, please give energy. <laughs> it, it honestly reminds me of the best ADHD joke ever. Have you guys heard this one? Knock, knock. Who's there? Boy with ADHD. Boy with ADHD, ADHD who? Want to go ride bikes? <laughs> <laughs> and that is sums up ADHD in a nutshell. <laughs> and then getting distracted then, on the way to get the bikes. And then, <laughs> and then you're on the way to the bike and you're like, hey, we could totally fabricate a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> is that a taco truck? <laughs> is that a taco truck? <laughs> Wait, never mind. I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the battles. Okay, so one of the things we want to talk about, you guys, is why the podcast. George, you were asking, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Well, the podcast is only part of what we're trying to do. We are going to try to create content. We're making a channel, a YouTube channel, as well as this um, podcast, kind of a, I should say more of a vlog. Um, we have great ideas. We want to build a lot of really cool projects. And fortunately, we're born, we're in, alive in a time of the world where people like watching that stuff. And so it's kind of awesome. And so we just need to do it. We're just going to start doing it. You know, um, the podcast is a good way to help people get to know us. We have a lot of weird stuff going on in the world and in our lives um, that are hard to keep track of, even for us. And so by doing a vlog, we can kind of help people see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, huh. absolutely. You've got some interesting stories yourself. So. Thanks, man. Yeah, that too. Then some of the stories too, right? Not even just the projects. Um, and George, you guys, George is kind of new. This is George's first day being in the wood shop. And so there's a couple of things that really caught George's attention. George, do you want to talk about the first one? I think it's like a giant elephant. What behind do you me. have behind your head here? <laughs> well, what strange object is this? This is a strange object that we are really looking forward to doing the podcast on because it's going to, I think it's going to blow a lot of minds. So this is um, <clears throat> my version of proof as to the existence of aliens. Um, years ago, my dad had a special job for the military. He was part of a group called the 6545th Test Group. And I actually have like some patches and some other contraband from that time when he was, it was an, it was an air force group based out of Hill air force base. Um, and they, in fact, I think there's another picture. I don't know if the cameras are all showing that, but a picture of a big old red truck with a armored personnel carrier on the back. So his job was to go and find stuff like that. And then we would test our weapon systems against it. This little guy though, was a helicopter that was shot down um, over what's called the Eagle testing range out in Nevada. Everybody knows about area 51 and Dugway, but very few people have ever heard of the Eagle testing range. And that's because there's almost nothing there. Now it could have changed. I was there when I was probably 11 years old. My older brother was there with me, which would have put him at about 14. Um, and we got to watch, uh, some F 16s blow up that armored personnel carrier and like chop it in half with their, can't remember. It was special bullets out of their machine guns. Uranium tipped. Who the hell? Huh? Were they depleted uranium. uranium. Yeah. And it literally, it's like the middle of the tank just disappeared. Now, when I grew up, there weren't camcorders. There weren't all these kind of things. And so you can't get videos of that stuff. And so, but 
this is why we're going to talk about this. This is the only thing that I can quantify and prove actually happened and prove that I'm not a liar. Now, again, when I was a kid, we didn't have smartphones. We couldn't record everything. And I would go and see, I would have these amazing experiences with my dad and I would tell my friends about them. And then they would stop being my friends because they just knew that I was a liar, but I wasn't. And now that my dad's dead, God rest his soul, I can show it to you guys. And the worst thing that's going to happen is the military is going to come and take it from us, <laughs> which is going to be great for publicity. <laughs> so, so to make this, and again, the proof that you're looking for. So this was, um, this is just aluminum. It's aircraft aluminum. You guys can see that there's rocks in there, George, right? This is all rocks from the hillside. And when it hit the ground, it was... Yeah, so this helicopter, down. as it's coming down, right, we're going to crash. It's literally dripping chunks of molten metal onto the side of the hill. Like, what shoots an airplane that's that strong that it melts it while it's still flying, right? Like, we watched, we all have YouTube now. We've all seen videos of helicopters getting shot by missiles and machine guns, and we kind of know what they do when they blow up now and they crash. And they don't do this. Right. I is, have it, other... is it conceivable? I mean, just for to play the devil's advocate here, is it conceivable that the fuel itself sure. could have melted? Absolutely. And I'm sure that there's going to be countless people that come and tell us that that's what it was. But typically, though, with with that being noted, usually when aircraft are shot in the air, they just blow up. Correct. And you find pieces so somewhere and the fire and it, expl- it, it, it deflagrates so fast that it doesn't have a chance to do this. Mm, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of the whole point. Now. Maybe it still had fuel when it crash landed and just sat there and melted. melted. We don't. Well, now here's where it actually we can talk about quantifying this is I have the entire recovery on a VHS tape. So we are in the middle of going to have that converted to digital format. And so on another podcast, and we actually dig into this stuff, we will jump right over and everybody can watch the vlog. It's not a podcast, but anybody can see the recovery, see the giant I don't know what they're actually called. It's like a sky crane. So it's a big giant helicopter that like the center is hollow and has winches. You can pick up like a shipping container. So one of those came out and recovered the big chunks of this wrecked burned helicopter and plopped it on the back of my dad's low boy. Wow. (laughs) So like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if this is like something that happens in other crashes. I don't know. I've never seen anything like no. No, most people haven't. That's kind of what I want to talk about in a way, like as we've all talked, like, right, every time you're doing your podcast or YouTube channel, it's all about getting views and people, you know, and so part of, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about this because I just want people talking about it. And again, if we can get some military expert on here who's like, oh, no, when when a, you know, helicopter gets hit by a T-67-400 missile, (laughs) (laughs) or whatever, I don't know, I'm making that up. So people are like, there's no such thing. No shit. (laughs) (laughs) So did you see this thing get shot down? No, no, no. This happened. He went and recovered it. It happened in the middle of the night. Nobody knows what, nobody saw it. That's Nobody why saw it. that's why the whole story is weird. And it's and then now, right, here we are, 2023, which would probably be 30 some odd years later. Yeah. And um the government's come out and told us, yeah, aliens are real. We've known about it for a long time, right? But because of the nature of the material left over after the crash, it's it's sus. The material yeah. the weapons used to do that are Yeah. It's not this is not a machine gun, this is not a missile. Yeah. This was something different to do this to an airplane. Now, again, I am not a combat guy. I don't know. Right. Like somebody might come on there and be like, oh, yeah, that's, there's piles of that all over the Iraqi desert every time they shoot a Black Hawk down. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But I know that movie Black Hawk Down, they didn't. They hit the ground and the dude was in there shooting people and shit like yeah. <laughs> from yeah. his wrecked helicopter. I would be interested to know like how much more of that there was on the site. Obviously, well, there's videos it, of it. We have, we have two pieces. Yeah. We have two pieces. Wow. So my older brother has a piece and I just I actually just need to go. When I... When I run down to get rid of all this lumber and stuff, I'm going to grab those pieces. Yeah. 
It would be super interesting yeah. to get uh, an expert on here, though, to look at that. Yeah, and I'm sure we can. will probably tell you. Yeah, it's just fuel. Yeah, and that's fine. Maybe it is. It may. Who knows? All I know is that I do have a cool video that nobody else has seen. Yeah, <laughs> and a cool piece of metal that and a cool piece of metal <laughs> that nobody else can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. One thing I'd really like to know is like, right at the very beginning of how you even got into the spice. Like, oh, the spice stuff. Oh, there's a whole other story there. Yeah. Okay, Isn't guys. That like a the, thirteen parter. That is at least a thirteen parter plus a like a sixty thousand page book in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> the book is only about seven thousand words in. Ooh. I was wondering if that tank was used to. Uh, you know, get your operation under control. Yeah, no. no. So believe it or not, that was they rolled up. With that, that was probably in the late '80s, maybe into the early '90s. Gotcha. So I was still just a little kid. I, you know, I was born in '79, so I'm not that old. Um, yeah. So that, and I actually drove that armored personnel carrier. Really? Yeah, yeah. The guys, honestly, like it's one of those things. My dad, and again, this is one of those. Before we go to the spice thing, we'll talk a little bit more about this. This um, the military role that my dad had as this courier guy. So he would because of what his job was, he had like all sorts of security clearance. So we drive his crappy old pickup truck up onto the Hill Air Force Base and right onto the flight line, driving underneath, you know, the noses of the F-16s and stuff like that. Like when I was a child, the, um, the SR-71, if you remember that, the Blackbird, it was one of the first stealth Coolest planes. Bird ever. Huh? Coolest airplane Coolest ever. bird ever. So two stories about that. Actually, a lady I know, her dad was the guy, the chief engineer who built that and then got to fly it. Uh, or no, maybe he just flew it. Anyways, out of hill. But so that plane came in. We were there. We were there helping my dad load up his truck to go out on the road when the SR-71 landed at Hill Air Force Base. (laughs) And again, as a little kid, oh, I saw one of those. No, you didn't. Right. No, everybody's like bullshit, dude. But you don't have cameras. You don't have, you know, well, and we weren't allowed. I mean, that was one thing I know my dad, we weren't allowed to take pictures up there when he was doing all his stuff. But I got to go through all sorts of hangers on the base. And I've seen things that I really shouldn't. Did it shut off? Double click the power button. And then it'll come back up. So there must be a setting on that that we need to adjust. Same thing with this so that it quits sleeping. But so, yeah, so, um, yeah, 65, 45th, the recovery stuff, it was insane. Like, there's, <laughs> he had, he'd have all these different things where they have like armed guards that'd have to escort him around. And like, he'd be like, oh, I forgot something at the house. And all he was doing was just showing off to his kids because then he'd come home with all these soldiers. And and then the soldier, hey, let me see your gun. And like, (laughs) just funny. It was a good time to grow up. I just wish I had cameras to prove it all. (laughs) Playing with M16s in the front yard. They'd be like, oh yeah, hey, does anybody have an empty magazine? Oh, I got one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Different times. (laughs) Different times, dude. Yeah, my dad had a C-130 assigned to him, which is just a big cargo ship or a plane. And, um, we got to go on that thing and use it and like, in the sky. yeah, it's like the pickup <laughs> truck. And you know, what's funny is the, have you ever seen, have you ever been in one? Were you military or no? Uh, no. Oh, I'm just fascinated. Yeah. So it has this thing that looks like a face mask and it's the urinal. And it literally is just like a Does pipe that goes out the side of the ship. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You just stick so your dong in there and pee. Out it goes. It, right. <laughs> a little drafty. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those funny things that I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of dudes who watch it. Like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the wind's wrong and maybe it blows it back. I don't know. Oh, oh yikes. It could be messy. <laughs> okay. So there's one, uh, one odd idea you guys that we have, that we're going to talk a lot about on the show is dad's military experience and all the weird stuff that we got to see as kids. Another thing that we're going to talk a lot about is spice that our invisible cameraman who said he wasn't going to speak cause it's echoey. He spoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We love him. Um, but so where is the spice? Um, George, do you know what spice is? Uh, 
I know it's something you put on your food to make it taste better. Yeah, wrong kind, but that's true. <laughs> so Spice was a designer drug from the 90s and carried a little bit into the 2010-11 before it got shut down. So this was kind of right before legal cannabis and medicinal cannabis was happening. And so we came up with this product that is a designer drug. It's a fake weed. It is basically created in a lab. It's a little chemical compound. It triggers your CB1 and 2 brain inhibitors, gives you a, a basically a cannabinoid reset, you know, response. Um, it was created to save money on medical research for marijuana. And uh, we found it and we decided that it was best if we sold it as a potpourri, not for human consumption, wink, wink, with the hint that you smoke the potpourri and it would get you super, super high. And so, yeah, there's a... Um, we went through a crazy journey of that business of like, wait a second, are we really going to do this? You know, dabbling and mixing little bits and selling it. And then to where it all of a sudden kind of started progressing into like a huge business. You know, I remember our first time we got an order for 25 kilos. It's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> it's like, that's a lot. And then like three days later, it was a hundred kilos. And then a couple of days later, it was 200 kilos. Yeah. And then it was pretty much a standing order of 200 kilos a day like five days a week. And we were just shipping that stuff. Well, we were only shipping it to a couple of distributors. They in turn were spreading it out to a distribution network of about 8,000 stores across the country. And so, I mean, it was, it was crazy, man. It was such an insane time. It was the best, like business owners are always about markup, right? It would cost us about 250 bucks to make a kilo and we'd sell them for about $2,400. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, a, it was just a markup. It was just a markup. And it was one of those things you found yourself so fast we just had so much money we didn't even know what to do with it yeah i mean it was just crazy that first year we did like i don't know just over four million dollars worth of business did you just put it all in a storage shed what's that like a uh, breaking bed oh the money the no money dude no 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 shed. we paid taxes we started business licenses and oh. everything we were legit yeah so that year i personally in 2010 made like 1.1 million my pay that was just what my pay was and i wrote a check to the irs for almost 300 grand just paying my income tax like that's so like out of all of the different agencies out there, right? The people who came to God get us was the Utah attorney general, right? Shirtliff and Swallow. And I don't care what their first names are because they are crooked criminals. Those dudes got busted for all the illegal shit that they did. Illegal seizures, right? Sometimes like it's it not all law enforcement is crooked, but when they are crooked, it's so devastating because they know how to do it. Right. And that's what these guys did. Put the money in offshore accounts. They got to take $700,000 from us and those idiots got to keep it. Right. Because they're the crooks, not us, you know, but you so were doing everything legally. Huh? You were doing everything legally. trying to, I mean, it was a little bit of a gray area and I admit that, like, I'm not going to say I was squeaky clean for sure, but like we were trying, you know, and, and but the IRS is one gang you don't ever want coming after mm -hmm. you. They don't play. <laughs> yeah, they don't play. So that was why we didn't even, I mean, we could have, you know, done the typical business guy, right? Buy 6,000 pound vehicles so you can write them off, buy trucks and trailers so you can write them, you know, all that kind of thing. And you spend a bunch of money and you get to deduct a little bit more and, and we just didn't even play that game. I just did not want them to come back at us. I did not want them having any way to come after us. Avoid the audits. Yeah. So when they, when we got busted, I mean, they basically left our personal stuff alone. You know, they didn't come after our homes and our cars and our families and stuff. They just went to the business, anything tied to the business they took. And so again, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. It's done now. And we're going to go into that. So he had mentioned jokingly, that's like a seven part podcast. It probably really truly is. There's so many different areas of it. In fact, it actually, and again, I think one of the guys we're going to have on the show, I'm really excited about it. He was one of the arresting officers on the SWAT team that arrested me. <laughs> and then, so, and again, I don't, um, it hasn't really come up yet. My regular business is I'm a home inspector for everybody listening. So I'm a home inspector for the real estate transaction. Um, that was kind of my, after the spice stuff, I had to 
do something right. And you never, you know, and again, another topic we'll talk about is how hard it is to get a decent job when you're a convicted felon. So a lot of guys, you just have to start your own business. You don't have a choice, but to be successful. Otherwise right. you're kind of fighting an uphill battle. And so, but I started this business as a home inspector and I've become really successful at it. And that was how I interacted with this, this, this police officer again was I got hired to do his home inspection, you know, and like, I didn't know him, but he knew me. And it was just pretty funny because some, somehow during the home inspection process, we decided that I knew a brother, his brother, who is also in law enforcement. Um, great guy. Um, and then I was like, oh, I was like, you're going to laugh if you hear my history. And he's like, oh, I, I know your history. <laughs> he's like, I, I was there. And I was like, whoa, dang, man. And so, uh, he, but he's just a great dude. He's since retired. He's not even a police officer anymore. He's just kind of, I think, living his best life. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if we can get him on here to kind of talk about that. Because to be honest, he never told me any stories about the whole bust thing. But now that he's a civilian, I wonder if he will give me his side yeah. of the story. That'd be kind of interesting. Be able to talk about him hunting you down. Right. You well, I mean, no, no we weren't running, but there was, it was like 25 running. dudes. Then there were three snipers and stuff. There was no running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no running. They just showed up in force. They were, well, and we weren't, we weren't a threat. We weren't criminals. We were running business. Yeah. You know, they could have come in with one guy and we probably all would have just been like, oh shit, we better go with him, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it wasn't ever our intentions to be hardcore and dangerous and we're not, you know, mafia guys or any of that kind of stuff. Was he a part of the investigation? Cause I don't a, think so. No, it was the Utah attorney general's office. That was the investigation. Okay. Yeah. So it was, there was a special agent involved with that. Um, yeah. And so that was definitely a different, they just, they just bring in the agencies. Like I said, none of the SWAT guys had any idea why they were there. They didn't know anything. Gotcha. <laughs> so that was kind of, again, kind of interesting. Like even the, that's why I said, I don't think, I mean, yes, I'm sure that there's crooked people in that industry, but like, I don't think the majority of them are, especially the dudes out here beating the streets. Like, yeah, they might try to catch it with possession and get, so they can get a, you know, another little bust on their thing, but I don't think they're actually like super crooked or whatever. Yeah. So, cause again, they were all nice and gentle. Nobody roughed us up. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? And, but again, we were, I don't know. There's all those comments people talk about, well, it's good. What color you are? Maybe. But maybe it was because when they said freeze, we were all like, yes, sir. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> yeah. That might have helped. It might have helped a little bit. Yeah. Right. And uh, no, but that was so that was kind of the, that's the spice in a nutshell is we started a huge nationwide drug dealing syndicate and made a bunch of money and then got busted. Mm. It became felonies, which I guess is a great time to segue in why part of why we're doing this, right? Doing the podcast and the YouTube channel. Yes, I mentioned doing this is because we want to build cool stuff. Uh, just a little side note. I have, uh, thank you. I have um, a junkyard full of some really cool stuff that we are going to build into even cooler stuff. And I know that everybody likes that because there are thousands of videos online that I watch every day. Every time I'm on the toilet, I watch those videos. A guy's building cool, or girls, doesn't have to be a guy. People building cool stuff. That's what we want to see. And so part of the reason we're going to talk about the government and the alien stuff and the spice stuff is to, and the home, you know, me being the top home inspector in Northern Utah is because we are going to try to just establish a little bit of street credit with everybody. There's a reason you could listen to us and have a good time is that we've been successful, lost a bunch of stuff and are successful again. And now as we do this, we want to help people be successful. We are going to talk about how to build these businesses, what happens when you get busted or, and not like some, a lot of guys and people are never going to experience the getting busted part. There are people who fail in business and never get in any legal trouble, Yeah, <laughs> but that's just a different element of it. And so I want to be able to reach those of you who have done something supposedly wrong, according to the system, picked up a couple felonies or whatever, and 
you feel like your life is toast because it feels like it. When that shit goes down, you're just like, it's like hopeless, but it's not. I'm sitting here 11 or 12 years after getting felonies and I have no felonies. I've had my record expunged. I'm squeaky clean again. And so, you know, I've made myself a million again. I got real estate. I got all kinds of stuff that I'm doing. And so that's why we want to talk about that. We want to help people get out of their own way, right? Most of us had childhood issues, whatever that comes up and why we live that way and do the things that we do. And so, and not enough people are told, Hey, you weren't taught right. You know, your folks probably weren't taught right either. Like it just happens. So people, it's hard, dude. (laughs) Sorry. I get a little emotional when I think about that stuff, but like, it really comes from your childhood, right? If your parents didn't know, you don't know, you know, we meet people and I meet people all the time who are generationally successful not rich, not like, oh, my dad handed me a billion dollars or so-and-so died and I got 50 million. No, that's not. That's what, that makes things too easy, right? But like a lot of folks are generationally wealthy in that their great grandpa and grandma were successful and they worked and they made wise decisions and bought houses and, and paid them off and just kind of did things right and raised their kids that way. So then those kids are now doing the same thing. And they're just, because they're not having to learn, they're not spending their first 20 years in life or 30 years screwing up, right? Um, They're actually doing things correctly, right? So then by the time you get two, three generations of that, that's why you meet somebody who's your same age and they're just 10 times more successful than you is they just had a better instruction growing up, right? Different information, you know, for real. Yeah. And so that's kind of where, and once I think a lot of people start realizing that they're like, wow, my mom and dad told me this and that's total bullshit, right? It's okay. They didn't know any better. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to do you wrong. They didn't know any better. Yeah. It's just yeah. up to us to change things. For the better right. The right. Dude, there's, and especially right now, the country, the whole victim mentality thing, right? Everybody like you try to talk to people. No, no, no. Well, I can't. No, nutrition doesn't affect me. I'm, I have these genetic problems. Bullshit. We all have nutrition is affecting all of us, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and it's not even so much nutrition. It's just, for example, people get in their own ways. I flipped a house many years ago, uh, made great money on the house. It was cheap. It was like $50,000 for this house, seller finance, no down payment, no interest. It's like one of those honey of a deals. And I tried giving it to a couple of my friends. Hey man, I got this opportunity. I really think you should do it. And they're just like, they go and look at the house. Dude, you're an idiot. That thing is such a piece of shit. You're never going to, whatever. I'm, you know, people just kind of, they're afraid to take the risk. They're afraid to try something new. I made 50 grand on that house, put 75 into it too, you know? (laughs) And so it took a lot, but I totally did it, you know, and I've done it now. I've done it 25 different times, you know? And again, those couple of buddies that I had suggested, Hey, you should do this. They are literally at the same job making the same amount of money, driving the same car, really not doing anything different. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's not. If that's what you want to do, do it. But if you have aspirations, most people I meet, oh, I would love to try this. I would love to do this. I just don't, uh, I just don't, I just don't know how. Well, we're doing it right now, you guys. I am take, walking away from, well, not necessarily walking away, but I have a very successful business that pays me a great living. Um, and I'm literally going to try to stop it and do something else. I'm 45, like, you know, (laughs) and I'm just doing it because I was like realizing that the life I engineered is not quite what I wanted. You know, like my business is great and it served a great purpose because man, after getting busted, getting that kick in the teeth, you lose all your money. Like you don't even know what you're going to do. Well, fortunately this business was there for me and these people were like, Hey, this guy's pretty good at this. Let's let him do this. Right. 
cool. So I made money. And then after 10 years of doing it, I've built a name for myself, but it's not, I'm not super happy with it. Right. And so that's why I'm like, I got to figure something out. I want to be happy. I'm 45 years old. I want to be happy. Do right? something more fulfilling. Well, and, yeah. And, and I honestly, part of my other motivation is I want to show my kids that so that they're not going to spend the first, you know, until they're 40. And I don't like this job. I'll go try something else. You know, let's engineer something that makes you happy. And you can do it like and that again, as we go through this podcast, I have lists of people who are going to come in here and we're going to talk to them. And these are all people who have broken the mold, who have started something else, tried something else and made it and made it big yeah. or not. I have a friend of mine, an acquaintance. I don't know. We haven't seen Nick in a long time. And, and, and I will get him on the show because he's just a great dude. Um, he's all about breaking the cycle. He's a he's a big time warrior and advocate against like pornography and all that kind of stuff. Um, but his bit, he was a police officer. He stopped being a police officer and started a mobile car washing business. He has a trailer full of all of his stuff. He literally comes out, rolls out this big old mat that contains the dirty water. And he pulls your car out of the mat, washes your car, details it, clay bar, does all this amazing fancy stuff to your car, rolls it out of the mat, sucks the water up into a dry tank, rolls up his little dealie and leaves your car in a dry spot. Oh, right and you're like okay in cash valley who's paying for this dude's been doing it for like seven years there's always someone <laughs> there's pay for uh, it. right and the thing that is is like talking to him there's a group of people that just they're so happy you know their cool collector cars or their show cars or whatever are yeah. getting detailed once a month and they're not touching it yeah there's money all around there's money yeah. all around george yeah. like it you just have to go do it I'm so, and again, another one, and I don't know that I can get this guy on here. And I, can we talk about people if they don't know, as long as we're being like polite? Yeah. Okay. So do you guys know Crumble Cookie? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the kid, the dude who started, the man who started, and I call him a kid because when I first met him, he had just graduated college and started this business, right? And uh, his name's Sawyer Hemsley. Awesome dude. We've inspected a whole bunch of properties for him over the years. And I only met him a few times, but like every time I've met him, the guy is just like humble. He's sweet. I don't even know how to call it. He's just a sweet man. He's kind. He's polite. It's is friendly. that why he started a cookie company? I don't know, but like the thing with it is, it's is he not sweet. Yeah, because he's sweet. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah, that's exactly why he goes in there and he's like, "Let you be sweet, people will love it." It's probably what he did. He probably some, yeah, probably somebody told him, "Dude, you're so sweet, you should make cookies." But the thing with it is, it's like, <laughs> that's a pickup line. It is a pickup. Actually, yeah, it's, it is probably a pickup line. I gotta watch that. So, uh, Sire, no, no disrespect, Sawyer, you're a stud. Um, but no, so so like, here's this dude's idea, right? Oh, I'm gonna make millions off of cookies. No, you're not, dude. I'm, if you if if you think about that, if he would have come up to one of us, we we're his homie. Hey, man, I'm gonna start this business. I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna sell these cookies all around the country. I'm gonna go into the Europe. I'm gonna go all around the world. Yeah. And you're gonna be like, there's there's no way. <laughs> and guess what? He's in England. He's in London. He's in UK. He's all over the place, dude. He's been on Forbes. Don't they have like a billion dollar company now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cookies. <laughs> cookies. <laughs> now i realize it's not so much the cookies and it's more of like his mental ability to put things together and put people in the right there's a lot that goes into it's not just the cookies right but if you would have told me that this kid was going to graduate college start a business selling cookies and within five years time he's going to be on forbes as one of the youngest billion self-made billionaires With, dude cookies <laughs> off of cookies yeah. well and it's not i mean he does real estate he they, i'm sure the guy has his hands in like i you i'm sure we have can't even imagine what this dude's got his hands in now yeah. you know what i'm saying but you start getting that kind of money that's what you do yeah. you build generational wealth you know he bought this beautiful property up, up in idaho uh that his family's running like a horse ranch thing and like so even his family is just hooked up off of this guy 
It's just cool, you know? That's awesome. And so, and like I said, I really hope, I have his cell phone number. Like I could text him and stuff. And I hope that one day he agrees to come on the show. I really hope because he is a Cache Valley dude. He is from a small hick town. Yeah, and did something huge. It did something bigger than huge. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I think that's bigger. I feel like my spice thing was huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I feel like Grumble Cookies like astronomical. And then then there's also I just recently within the last six months, maybe eight months, I got invited to um one of these Capital Call business startup events for another cookie company. Right. These are people who had franchises from the crumble and then they didn't like how it was run. They thought they could do it better. So they started. And I'm not going to say the name just because of uh, Sawyer's the man. Yeah. <laughs> but this other company, they're like, dude, he's making all this money. So they started another one. Same thing. Right. Imitation isn't, isn't the highest form of flattery. Is that what they say? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. So Sawyer, people are out there imitating you, man. Starting cookie companies. Come talk about it. <laughs> yeah, come come talk about it. Sawyer, if you see this, I will tag you on this in your social media. Come sit in the shop, dude. We want to talk to you. We just want to hear hear from you. It'd be so cool. So cool. But yeah, so that's I'm gonna have dozens and dozens and dozens of people who have story. Nobody's gonna be a billionaire like Sawyer. That guy is is uh, uh you know, he's he broke the mold when they made him. But um there are still other guys who are just as successful. I've got another friend of mine. He's in his sixties and he's an inventor and he didn't get started till he was in his thirties. He was like, no man, I was a ski bum. He's like, we just hung out and partied, <laughs> you know, until he was almost 30. And then he's like, Oh, I got to get cracking. And then he made himself a fortune, you know, and he's already agreed to be on the show. So we'll get him on the show, Sweet. you know, and then other guys selling businesses and making money and then doing dream businesses. Like I've got a friend who has a business. They, um, you know, the, the Tangled movie, The Floating Lanterns. Yeah. He does those floating lantern festivals, the ones that are here in the US. Are you serious? Yes, dude, that's my buddy. Just hosts floating yes. lantern events. Yes. <laughs> there is money to be found everywhere. There is money in that. That's that, oddly that, specific. Yeah. Huh? That's oddly specific. It is. But in that, like, I guess that's why I want this is I want all of these different people. I want you guys, I want people out there to see all of these different ways that we can be successful. Yeah. Well, with the internet, I mean, bruh. Right. We live in a crazy, yeah. crazy world. Yeah. We're also used to it, but it's insane. Yeah. It is. Well, and, and is the thing that is, is you also don't have to be a business owner. I have another friend of mine who's going to be on here who has probably one of the best lifestyles I've ever been around. He runs a giant uh, restoration company here in Cash or in Utah. And I think they're in other states too. And like, he just kind of worked his way through the ranks and now he's like the number two guy. And like literally his, his deal is to go out and take all these insurance agents like that are all around the country Did that die. That one probably died. Um, take these insurance agents. They go out and just do fun stuff. They go fishing, they go snowmobiling, they go hunting and shooting and side by siding. And they just, and, and again, they, because of my inspection business, they would invite me on a ton of these events and I'd get to go meet all these insurance guys and all these different people. And like, Dude, it's like he just plays and gets paid. Yeah. <laughs> now he's like, yeah, he goes, sometimes I feel, you know, because it's not my own business, blah, blah, blah. Who cares, dude? You yeah. are happy. You're yeah. like the same age as me. There ain't a gray hair on his head. He's just happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> enjoying life. He's just enjoying he life. Do. Yeah. And that's why I was like, some of these guys, like, they probably to them, they're like, what is Brian talking about? I'm just a dude. Yeah, but you're a happy dude. And like, right now, that's important. It's kind of hard yeah. to get. You know, we're so overprivileged in America right now. That we're just creating problems for ourselves, creating reasons why we can't be happy. Yeah. Right? Like this is, and people be like, oh, America, it's, you know, it's not, dude. This is the place to be. If you want to do something, this is the place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And you can make it happen. You you can make it happen. I've done it more than once. 
inspiring. That's awesome. I love so, it. and that's what I want people to know. It's like, dude, when people are like, oh my God, he lost everything. Like, and you're like, wait a minute. And how did you build this? You know, like here I am 10 years after getting busted. I've got a bigger, nicer house, better, nicer cars, more money in the bank, rental properties, you know, like I've built this business up. And so as I start this business, it's not that I'm failing anywhere and I need this to pick it up. It's more of that. I've God, I want to give back. You know, I want to talk to these people. You know, I've got, yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with ADHD. You're not it just might. getting bored. Right? Yeah, I am. Getting, well, so hang on, bring it full circle back to the ADHD experience, George. That was beautiful. So absolutely. So I have been averaging, I do four to 500 home inspections a year and I have for over a decade. My yeah. company averages 800 to 1,000 inspections a year and has for about seven years. Yeah. Um, we're doing a lot. And anymore, it's getting to where, yeah, dude, I'm totally bored. Like, yeah. you know, when I go through a house, I open and close every door, every window, every cupboard, every drawer. I test every electrical outlet, every light fixture. Do you have any idea how many uh, outlet testers I've plugged into electrical outlets? Uh, millions upon millions upon <laughs> millions. I, I bet you there's hardly, other than home inspectors, nobody in their life wears out an outlet tester. I have a jar with the ones that I've wore out where the plugs start falling out of them and stuff like that. Oh, snap. <laughs> right? You're like, wait a minute. That's a lot of outlets to test. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, do you really? Because I know it's like most inspectors, unless there's like res legislation in their state, it's kind of just what you you feel like you should be checking, right? So a lot of guys, the standard is like, they'll just do a, a sampling of outlets, right? So we'll get two or three, just make sure they're good. We get all of them. That's how we find all this little stuff, right? Wow. And so, yeah, dude, I'm tired of opening people's windows and doors and testing outlets and opening furnaces and electrical panels. Climbing through crawl spaces <laughs> and filled with spiders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and the thing with it is, is like even that, like I'm so desensitized to it. Like there's a cool video that will probably, and this would be a cool spot to link to the one with the tunnel. Did you get the one with the tunnel? The, I crawled through all the cobwebs and stuff. And then oh, they, yes. they excavated under the foundation. And it's like, if you have any, like even a hinkling of claustrophobia, that video will scar you for life. <laughs> and that was Tuesday. I do it all the time. I don't even care anymore. Like <laughs> just another day in the office. It is. Well, and I say that I don't care, but to be honest, I really don't want to crawl through crawl spaces anymore. But that I could tell you real quick, just the, the worst part about home inspecting, period. Opening the attic and getting a face full of ad of insulation that avalanches all over you every single day. Mm. That's what I that's literally like if you were to be like, what do you hate about your job? And I've had raccoons come at me in attics. I had a badger come at me in a crawl space one time. Like I've had some weird shit go down. <laughs> And the insulation in the face is the worst every day. <laughs> no, that makes sense, actually. That's, uh, yeah, everybody's like, oh, yeah, that horrible. sounds really, really horrible. Yeah. So Especially it's hot up there. And it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the summer is the worst because it sticks to you. Okay. Well, you guys, so today this is a, a little bit of an intro into the ADHD experience and into the ADHD mind. I think we talked about 37 topics in less than an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I didn't count. There's somebody on there being like, whatever, dude, it was only 31. <laughs> yeah thanks for the comment you just yeah. boosted the algorithm yeah. Yeah. Like, so please correct me where i'm wrong yeah. <laughs> i don't even yeah. care tell us we suck yeah <laughs> right yeah tell us we suck tell us we love us tell us you want to see more melted alien spacecraft or that it's uh not melted alien spacecraft but whatever you decide is awesome um i want to thank joe and daniel george and daniel joe's here too he's the cameraman <laughs> uh thank you guys for coming and helping us film today and um thanks for everybody for watching and we look forward to keep doing this. If you guys are, if we're touching on a subject and you guys want us to talk about it more, please make a comment. 
that is how this stuff works. And, and then subscribe. give us subscribe, give us yeah. a follow. If you guys want to see what we're going to do, if you want to see the rock crawler bus, the 47 rat rods, the, all the cool builds that we're going to do, you got to follow us and support us. Have a great day.